Well, the rapture and beyond. The rapture and beyond is our, uh, is our title for today. And when I think about the last chapter of the story that we read in the book of Revelation, um, it's like the end of time. But you know, the end of time is the beginning of time for us. I mean, the literature from the first century, the excavations and what they've discovered, you can see this in, in museums in the Middle East. They celebrated a person's um, death every year as the, the, the day they passed away as if it was their birthday. They had birthday parties for family members because it was their, the, year, the, the day they were born into, eternal, into eternity. And it was something very exciting and, some, and very blessed. I'm reminded of what we learned about Winston Churchill's funeral, where in a traditional way, he had taps played, a mournful uh, uh, trumpet, mournful sound. But then, all of a sudden, it, it broke into reveille. And he had a grasp that this isn't the end. This is the beginning. This is the morning. This is the morning, this is the dawn of the new day, not the end. So as we read the book of Revelation, we think of that as a stepping stone into morning time. Morning is broken, like the first morning, as the hymn goes. Well, I'd like you to listen, and don't put the, up yet the, uh, the scripture, we'll, have, we'll hold off on that just a moment. But listen to some of the last words of the book of Revelation. Let them sink in. Then we'll come back and talk to them with you for a few minutes about them, the rapture and beyond. Revelation 22, 12 and following. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely, I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace, the favor, of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I love how the Bible ends, don't you? Amen. The favor of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And then the Hebrew word written with Greek letters, Amen. Rock, fortress, to all I just said. Strength, to all I just said. Let it be so, just what I just said. Amen. Love that. <clears throat> this is a, a 
an amazing, exciting finale that we just read. But it's also alarming if you don't know Christ. If you're cavalier about the things of God. If you're backslid. <laughs> if you're not walking with Christ. If you're, if you're not a believer in Christ. It's alarming news. But there's good news for you. I'm going to give you a chance at the end of this talk to receive Christ as your Savior so you can be a part of the, the wonder and beauty and glory and amazement of, of uh, what we're talking about today. And you don't even have to wait till the end. The Bible says, never says, wait till the end of the sermon to get good saved. <laughs> you know, call on Jesus and you'll be born again in the moment. Amen. Just say, God save me. I'm, I'm tired of my life. I want, I want to give it to you. I, I receive you as my Savior. Just call on him. You can even do it out loud if you want. We'll, we'll be okay with that. My first talking point is, in the rapture, Jesus Christ will come back very personally. Revelation 22, verse 12. And behold, and in Greek, the word behold, as I've shared with you in other contexts, means take a careful look at it. Behold, consider it. Really think about it. Don't let it go, Woo. Look at it. Apply it. It's important. It's vital to you. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. This is our anchor verse for this talk. Look at it. We're going to look at it carefully. Notice first that the word says, Jesus says, Behold, look at it. I am coming quickly. And in the rapture, that is the second coming of Christ, Jesus comes back very personally. It's him that's going to come, and there's great comfort in that for us. When I read the book of Revelation, when I'm faced with the death of a relative or a family friend, church brother or sister, when I consider the rapture, second coming of Jesus Christ, I am, uh, I am excited, but there's also a little bit of anxiety about all those things. It's like concern about the unknown, because we don't know all the nuances of how it all works out in real, real life for us. But I do know this, that Jesus said, that he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the A and the Z. Alpha and Omega are the Greek letters, A and Z. In other words, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus, John, the same Jesus who you leaned up against at the Last Supper, that would, and, and by which you were so stunned by his... his God affection for you, leaning up against the chest of God at the Last Supper, and you felt such profound, profound care, profound, profound affection out of heaven, out of that. So much so that your whole identity was just shaken. And from then on, you couldn't call yourself an apostle or disciple, but only 
bam, the one who Jesus loves. That's the same A to Z, Alpha, Omega. That's the same Jesus that's going to come and get you. So even John, as he's experiencing all the dramatic symbols and visions and scary things and plagues and all the, all the war of the book of Revelation, there's a presuppositional reality that, that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is the same one that's been my best friend for the past 63 years. Even when I, was, I knew him and worked with him um, in the three years of ministry, but also my best friend through the Holy Spirit that has bound me to him, that every day living in his glorious presence and then seeing that same Jesus revealed in the book of Revelation, this is the one who's going to come and, and get us and take us into glory. And this is the one for those of us that, are, that pass away before Jesus Christ comes back. He's the one that helps us across that, that river Jordan that has been the symbol throughout church history as, as death. He's the one that, that is the uh, good shepherd of Psalm 23. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing, even in the face of death. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even coming up to the point of dying, he is with me. His rod and his staff exude and impart to me supernatural comfort from the comforter in the Holy Spirit. And the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ, whose doctrine is the supreme comfort in the face of both Christ coming back. All of our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. We are blood-bought. We are blood-washed. We are righteousified. And his, his gospel helps us in the face of death and... It's what we will, we will be dramatically aware of as we process the first few moments of our own experience, our personal experience in time, the rest of our own personal story and our together story into eternity. I remember... I remember when I uh, first came to Christ, all of a sudden, some of my Christian friends were talking about this new word that I hadn't heard of before called the rapture. And uh, and there was a rather important book that we were supposed to read. And it was called, not the Bible, but the late great planet Earth. Maybe some of you read that. And the theology of the late great planet Earth was popularized by the Left Behind video series as well, Tim LaHaye. And what I discovered about that was that 
apparently the Bible teaches this sort of a complex series of things that are going to happen before Christ comes back. And then, and part of that, just part of it, was this thing where we go flying up into the air. And I, I as a new Christian, was very blessed and edified by that theology. However, I, and I totally respect you if you still hold to that theology. Um, I myself, I myself feel like if a person that's a new Christian just took the Bible and read Genesis to Revelation, they wouldn't come up with Hal Lindsey's theology. They wouldn't come up with the left behind the, uh, the theology in all of its nuances of explanation. It's sort of like um, taking one verse from the book of Revelation about the millennium and trying to, trying to make everything else in the Bible fit it instead of that symbolism being secondary to the theology that's clear in the New Testament. I think uh, just a, a, a basic reading of the Bible and especially in the rapture passage of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which we'll read in a moment, Paul says in that passage, you're not ignorant if you believe this simple explanation of the second coming of Christ. The parousia, the um, Greek word for the second coming, is always in the singular. It's not a plural, several phase coming of Christ that's a little bit complicated. Now again, I'm happy to be wrong about this. Totally happy. But I'm telling you, I lean towards, I lean towards the rapture being the time that Christ wraps things up. That's my own thoughts on it. But again, I totally respect. I know in our valley uh, and in much of evangelical Christianity, I am in the minority. And I don't mind being the minority in the minority if I'm right. <laughs> but I don't say that arrogantly. I could totally be happy being wrong about that. Okay, but back to my point. Um, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming. Sometimes we get, we get preoccupied with the details of fulfilled prophecy, and Jesus wants us to behold something that perhaps is a little bit different, and that is just be obsessed with the fact that it's me that's coming. And it's going to be amazing. And the main thing I want you guys to do is watch, 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 because it could happen at any moment. You will remember in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus is with his disciples at, on the mount, and you will remember that as he's talking to them about the kingdom of God, all of a sudden he levitates. That's never happened before. Can you imagine being with one of your friends, St. Dan, for instance, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I levitate, and then disappear. That's what actually happened to these guys. No wonder they're looking into this guy and saying, what? what? I'm so surprised. I didn't know this was going to happen. And the angel appears and says, and, they, and he says, this same Jesus same one who is taken up into heaven will come in like manner as, as you saw him going to heaven. It's the same Jesus. It's our wonderful Jesus. 
the, the most profound dynamic you, in your personal reality in real time for you when you die or when Christ comes back and you, um, and you are with him is that you will be overwhelmed with the reality of his glorious presence and personality. And it will be so wonderful and so exciting and infinitely blissful because your whole con consciousness and will be filled with rejoicing and bliss because of Jesus, because of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. If you die before the rapture, you will be fully conscious and rejoicing in his blissful presence. But at some point into the, into the future, when Christ comes back, there will be a uh, resurrection experience where Jesus be Christ on the first Easter being the uh, prototype, your your personality, your personhood, your soul, your spirit will be joined to a resu your resurrected body and live forever in that form. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself, there it is again, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. I remember what I, the, the word shall be caught up has, is a word that means in the Greek snatched away or taken away quickly. And the, um, it's a, where we get the word rapture is from a, a Latin translation of the, that Greek, which is the word raptura, which um, obviously that's where we get rapture from. It's the same word in the Greek that is, was used of Philip when he was taken out of the desert after winning the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. He was snatched away and, and he appeared in Caesarea. And then also the Apostle Paul says he was snatched away into the third heaven very quickly. And that's the same word that will happen to us and I remember when I heard that for the first time explained, I was so excited about this passage in the Bible that I had to go out and go for a walk in the woods and think about it. And I was walking along a forest trail by myself thinking about this. I just had to think about, man, I gotta try this. And I started running as a 16-year-old, just running through the forest and then leaping into the air and imagining that I, was, I would just keep going. And it was so trippy. I just enjoyed that so much because it gave me an exhilaration of imagining what it will be like to go flying up to be with Jesus forever. It was a happy moment. I remember putting a bumper sticker on my 61 Volkswagen Bug. In case of rapture, driver will disappear. I can still happily put that on there. <laughs> Although I, I wish I had a 61 Volkswagen. I also had a 60, 60, 1965 Mustang, if you must know the truth. And I sold it for $1,500, $500, something stupid. 
Forgive me, Jesus. <laughs> what happens to our unbelieving friends? Family members? First, what we don't know. What we don't know about them, this is going to be a little bit comforting, I think. What we, what we don't know is you don't know for sure that they were unbelieving. They might, have, they might have been born from above, born again when they were children, and you never found out about it. There could be that dynamic involved. You also don't know what happened to them in the last moments of their life. For Christ may have appeared to them. We've heard testimonies of people who have died and come back where Christ appears. We don't know. We don't know for sure. What, what, where their faith was. But there's some things that we do know and that God is more merciful than us. I'm not preaching some sort of universalism. I'm just saying there's some things we don't know and some things we do know. And those are some things that with regard to family members that have professed unbelief to me that have passed away, these are the kinds of things that, these are some things that comfort me and encourage me. God's more merciful than I am, and I'm pretty merciful towards my, I would be very merciful. I'm, I just know that's a fact about God, and I also know that um, we don't know for sure what's going on with them, what happened when they were kids or before they, we, in saying that, there should be great alarm for you if you're, a, if you're an unbeliever without Christ. So, in the rapture, Jesus Christ will come back very personally for you, hooray. That should, that should give you comfort with regard to any anxiety related to death regard, and with regard to with regard to the day of judgment for you because he's coming with an attitude of reward. Doesn't say, Jesus does not say, um, I am coming quickly and my punishments are with me. He's not bringing some purgatory into your life at that moment. He's bringing rewards for the, your, anything related to punishments taken care of at the cross. He's only bringing you varying degrees of rewards. But he is bringing rewards. In the rapture, Jesus Christ comes back personally, but he also comes back very purposefully. Let's read, and behold, Revelation twenty-two twelve again. Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. According to his work, according to his work. When my, each one of my, my kids that went to college were starting into it, I always said, don't so enjoy college that you forget that the purpose of college is to get a job. <laughs> Keep the end in mind. And I know many of us, many kids that are in college, they're just having a good time in college. They love learning, they love their the social life, whatever is going on there. They don't think about, not too much about it. And I've talked with many Christians that say, you know what, I'm just glad to be in heaven. I don't care about reward. My reward will just be there. I want to tell you something. 
when you graduate from college, you start thinking about the job and, and, and perhaps sometimes changing your ideas about what maybe you took in college to prepare you for the work world. When you actually are in the, on the other side of Jordan or when you've been raptured into the presence of God, at that moment, you will care very deeply about rewards. It will come front and center in your life and you will hope for the best reward. I'm telling you, that's how it's going to be. I'm telling you the rest of the story for your life, not in a way that's going to bring, is meant, designed to bring you terror, but to bring you, to, to help motivate us to know our works make a difference now. Think about the fact that rewards are going to be important then. Four kinds of works to conclude our little talk today. Four kinds of works that will be judged by Jesus. Okay? Well, first of all, there's dead works. And those are works that people have tried to do to contribute to their acceptance before God. Or sins. Dead works. You don't want any of those. Those are blood-bought. Those are, are, are blood-washed. No dead works. What we, what the, the Bible says they're so, so uh, to be avoided to use works as a way of um, being accepted with God, the Bible says that there is filthy rags. They're like menstrual cloth. That's how horrible dead works are. And Paul refers to his works, religious works, trying to be accepted with God by his works before Christ, coming to Christ. He refers to it as a cow dung, cow pies. So... Would you agree these are the kind of works to avoid? Thank you for agreeing with me, yet again. Uh, but there's, two, there's some, three other kinds of works that are good. The second kind of work, besides dead works, don't want those, are worship works. You know, our worship makes a difference. Our experience of God in worship makes a big difference. We experience God in worship today. The Holy Spirit was poured about, out on us as we were praised and worshiping him together. And that glorious experience of God and of his glory is a work that we were designed for, designed to experience. The Holy Spirit helped us to enjoy God. And the Holy Spirit led us even to put as our byline for what New Song is about to thousands of cars going by every day. New Song Church enjoying God more and more. That's what we're about, is worship. People, I mean, if I asked you, what do you like best about New Song Church? Probably almost all of you would say, man, it's the worship. It's the worship. I've heard that so many times. We got a great, great preaching team. I, I acknowledge that. Amen. <laughs> but it's the way, it's, it's, it doesn't compare to God, <laughs> the presence of God. Thanks, Tina and team, for that today. It again. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Whatever you do, even mundane things like eating and drinking, feels mundane. I don't feel particularly the glory of God hitting me when I sit down for Sunday afternoon lunch. 
even things like eating and drinking, we do with a motive and attitude to, for the glory of God. You don't have to experience, experience a hit of God's tangible presence to eat and drink to the glory of God. The point is we just live unto him. We live a life of devotion to him and we find meaning in that. I love Revelation 22, verse 3. The word says, his servants will serve him. Glorifying God is something we'll do throughout forever. We'll praise and worship him, but we'll also live out a life of service to him with our own unique personalities and gifts and strengths and assignments into eternity. His servants will serve him. So we have worship works, we have serving works, serving God, serving others. Look carefully at Acts 13, verse 36 with me about King David. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. Don't you want that to be said about you? For fill in your name. After you had served your own generation, a lifestyle of serving your generation to advance the kingdom of heaven in your generation, serving and blessing in the anointing of the Spirit according to your unique personality that's just as different from everybody else as every snowflake is different and every fingerprint is different than everybody else's. There's a unique stamp of of your personality onto the world and there is a call of God on your life to serve your generation According to your gifts, your strengths, your callings, don't neglect it. It will mean tons when you face God later, and it will bring bring great fulfillment to you now. It's greatly fulfilling to serve your generation according to your gifts, your callings, and your life. Please don't neglect those. They're important. Finally, there's recreational works. Whoa, why would you throw that one in, Dan? I've never heard of that one being in there. Do you know that your life needs balance? And recreational works are part of the way God designed you, made you. There's a unique set of recreational joys for you that, that God has for you. The Bible says God has given us all things to richly enjoy. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So there's, there's, there's gifts from God that, that our, our happinesses, our joys, our recreational, that are not self-destructive, mind you. Would you agree with me that some recreational behaviors could be self-destructive? We're not talking about those. We're talking about the wonderful gifts of God, hobbies, fun things, time with family, camping, whatever, fishing, motorcycles, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Whatever you like, whatever you enjoy. My daughter Charity gave me a coffee cup for my birthday a few years back. For some people, it's therapy. The rest of us, us, it's motorcycles. So, I mean, and I'm not a motor, I'm not a, a motorcycle guy 100%, but I do enjoy riding a motorcycle. So, are you taking time for yourself? 
That's to the glory of God too. Now, mind you, many Christians only give themselves to recreational pursuits. There's no fulfillment in only giving yourself to that. Any more than there's only, that there would be fulfillment in only eating Marionberry pie and ice cream only in your diet. <laughs> Fun for a few moments, but not ultimately. So the good balance and the Holy Spirit will guide us in these. These are all things that are to the glory of God, you see. To the glory of God. Let's stand up. What are the works that are especially important? Four areas of works. What are they? There. Not dead works. Worship works. Yeah, avoid dead works. There's even Christian uh, theologies that say we're saved by grace and works, but grace gives us the ability to do the work, so, you know, just, just get over that, okay? We are saved by... The only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin from which we're, we're saved. Okay? That's the move. We want worship works, live a life of devotion to God, and we want to serve our generation according to the will of God all our days. There's meaning and fulfillment in, in worship. Worship's law of our being. There's meaning and fulfillment in serving our generation according to his will, uniquely for us according to his will. And there's great joy in the fun stuff he brings into our life to bring balance to all of it. It all makes for happiness and joy and for attention. And when we have attention to these things, it is the best way. I, I feel fatherly towards you guys. I feel fatherly towards you guys. I'm telling you, 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 you do these four, you relate to these four areas of works. And you're going to make for a, a, yeah, an amazing, amazing end of your college career into a, a vocation in glory. My friends, we've talked about the rapture and beyond. I'm, I'm convinced that volumes could be written about this, but I've given you 99% of what you need for the rapture and beyond. Pay attention to it. Get after it, okay? Okay. Close your eyes. If you're watching on channel 11 at 11, or if you're in the audience today, or you're watching our YouTube channel, would you, if you received Christ at some point during this talk and got right with God, even there at home or in the audience here, I'm not going to call anybody forward, but I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to see it. Confess Christ as Lord. Okay. Trust everybody's already done that then. There at home. Channel 11 and 11. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Call on him. You'll be born. Just say, Jesus, please save me. He'll save you. Come into your heart. Forgive your sins. And then tell that Christian friend that you know and respect Tell them about it. Text them today. Call them today. 
they'll help disciple you in a way that will make you best prepared for the rapture or for your own crossing the Jordan River into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, if you'd like to stick around for Marty's prophetic team, I encourage you to do so. God bless you. We love you. Thanks for coming out this morning. Amen. Yeah.